1: Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work.
0: We make bicycles for
2: everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world.
1: Learn more at Microsoft.com Teams.
0: This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.
3: Roto-Wire Prospect Podcast Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day N E U D A E for the song "Comb Over" that we're using as our intro. Going to be running down the updated top two hundred prospect list. James, which just went live on the site this week. He also had a Farm Futures piece to accompany it, kind of explain some of the uh, the moves you've made here with some of these players, especially in the top half of this top two hundred, and also putting in the, the latest draftees into the top 200, so we'll see where some of those players check in. And also grading out today a kind of a polarizing hip-hop figure in, in E40 Fonzarelli. Uh, so some big, wide-ranging uh, hmm. grades here today for, for E40. Yeah,
2: I didn't really know what to expect from your grades, but uh, I, I, didn't, oh, I, Fonzarelli didn't, I didn't come in high on him.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to those uh, before we end the show. But want to start... Right at, at number one here on your prospect list, we have a new number one, Joey Gallo leaping Yoann Moncada for the number one spot on the list. And Gallo so far down at, at AAA Round Rock has been really outstanding. Uh, 277 average, you know, it doesn't look all that great, but 422 on base percentage, 13 homers, and 137 at-bats. And really it's it's kind of the the approach that's improved so much that that's really thrust him into the spot, right?
2: Yeah, it I mean Gallo even before the season, uh even with all of Gallo's warts, I think you could have made a, a pretty convincing case that he had more fantasy upside than any prospect in the minor leagues. Uh I might make a case that Byron Buxton still has more fantasy upside than Joey Gallo if they were to each kind of hit their realistic ceilings, but but Gallo to me of, of all the players that are still prospect eligible has uh Clearly the most fantasy upside going, and it's always just kind of been a question of how much contact was he going to make. Uh, really hadn't been even at 30% with the K rate since since back when he was in uh, high A for a brief spell in 2014, and then back in rookie ball in 2012, he got that K rate under 30. It's been up uh, above 33% at, at every stop since then. Now he's finally got it at 26%, which is more than manageable. Obviously, that's against AAA pitching, but he hasn't. He doesn't have a full season at AAA, so it's not like he's he's gone through a full another go around against these these arms. He's only had uh, fifty three games before this season. Uh, almost thirty percent of his plate appearances have ended in either a walk or a home run so far. Mm. That's that's pretty crazy. So I mean, he, he's getting a walk or a home run more often than he's striking out. Uh, if he were to even just hit two sixty in the big leagues to me that's that's going to result in in 45 to 50 homers annually as long as he's healthy and and that's just really hard to find
3: yeah absolutely and you know we were talking a little bit earlier this week and i asked you you know because you know we came up you know initially he was outfield only really at the major league level i guess he played 15 games uh at third base actually but this year down at round rock exclusively at the the corner infield spots nine games at first base 22 at at third base Is, is Third base, really, where he does stick long term.
2: I think he's a guy who is either going to be third base, first base, or DH, kind of depending on what a, what the players around him mm-hmm. can do. You know, th- there's there's no reason. I think the Rangers are doing the the total right thing by by keeping him in the minor leagues because this is a guy that you you really can't make any developmental mistakes with especially with that approach you can't bring him up and have him only be playing two or three days a week because then some of those gains he's made with that approach could sort of unravel I mean I think you you need him playing every single day and they're just not gonna I don't see them bringing him up unless there is a spot for him to play every single day and with with jerks and profar seemingly kind of sticking up for uh the foreseeable future that that makes it even more difficult because profar is the guy that's getting some starts at dh and and putting guys like Mitch Moreland and, and Prince Fielder on notice, so uh, Profar is a guy that you don't need him getting every single every day at bats. I think that he's uh, closer to a finished product than Gallo is. You're not going to ruin his his development by only playing him four or five days a week. Gallo, on the other hand, I think he's he's probably the top target of of any team that the Rangers are calling. I mean that they're a team that's obviously contending right now. They need bullpen help they need starting rotation help they need uh, help behind the dish I I mean there's a lot of places they could upgrade that team and and every team's going to be calling about Gallo but I I think the way that he's playing right now I think they have to view him as kind of their their cleanup hitter of the future and it Mm -hmm. would really take a a big time package to pry him loose
3: yeah I think it's interesting though that even with all those holes on that roster right now they might be one of the best teams in in the American League regardless Uh, but yeah I think Parting with Gallo is something ideally they, they don't want to do, and, and probably the same with Profar, because really thriving right now in what's kind of a, a super utility role, playing close to every day right now. But we'll, we'll see how it shakes out now that Adrian Beltre is back. But we, we discussed these two in a trade recently, Profar and Gallo. Do you want to revisit those talks, or is that just just it's, off the table now?
2: It's so hard, man. I, <laughs> I mean, the, here's the situation: I'm in first place of the, the staff keeper league two and uh you know got ryan eisner nipping at my heels i am currently starting colton wong at second base who is obviously uh tearing it up at triple a right now work. but but uh i'm not getting those stats i'd I'd like to be getting stats from a second baseman right now and uh
3: he's playing center down there now though Yeah, <laughs> all right he Can come well, up to help there
2: uh <laughs> you, know, you know gallo is really my only piece that I have to like a big time trade chip that I have left mm-hmm. uh who probably isn't going to help me much this season. So, if I were to try to get a second baseman be a trade, Gallo's the guy that everyone would ask for and really the only second baseman available in that league who I could even picture myself parting ways with Gallo for would be a $1 pro far. And even then it's it's tough to reconcile long term for me, but uh I mean would obviously probably help me quite a bit in terms of 2016 so it's something I'd have to think about but it's it's very it's one of those type of trade talks where I just get really antsy and fidgety when I yeah, start thinking about really it You've
3: been really hesitant to move Gallo over the past year or so uh, since you acquired him I think in a trade but you know I also have Zach Britton on an expiring <laughs> deal just throwing that out there is maybe maybe you throw something else in I maybe I throw him in yeah <laughs> Good <laughs> <laughs> work. Something, to, something to think about. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, of course, really enjoy the staff keeper league. I, I wanted to compete this year. It Doesn't look like it's happening. But, uh, you know, th- I'm being proactive though, in terms of, you know, starting to acquire, uh, some some pieces that will help me in the future, and trading off some of those guys who will help me now. I think now is the time too. Maybe you don't want to completely wave the white flag in your league yet. I understand, but I think either whether it's in trades or waiver wire, you got to be right now. You got to be uh, doing the best you can to to get good deals and and to you know, help yourself long term. But let's talk about Yoan Moncada because he's doing he's faring well. I mean, thirty six stolen bases already and two hundred twenty four at bats. Uh, I think it's more so the adjustments Gallo has made the reason he's li- leapt. Right, and nothing to do
2: with Moncada yeah. there.
3: So what what is the stolen base upside still still looking like at the major league level? Is there kind of a, a thought around the game that he's not going to be this uh proficient of a base stealer once he reaches the majors?
2: Yeah, I I still think there's a decent amount of fool's gold here in in the stolen base totals from Mancada. Um you know, maybe maybe he's a 25 to 30 steals a season guy in the big leagues and that would only probably be for his first couple years in the big leagues, I just I don't see him as a annual thirty five, forty stolen base guy, and that's that's kind of at least what you'd be kind of projecting based on the the minor league totals. But I mean this is low A and high A where he's been doing this damage. Uh plenty of guys before him with far fewer tools and less athleticism have have stolen forty bases in a minor league season in the lower levels before. I, I don't think you can read a ton into it. I think he's got the green light. He's getting on base a ton. I mean, if if you get on base at a, at a 43% clip and you have the green light, like you're going to rack gonna up stolen bases, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I just think that, you know, once he gets to the big leagues, that he's not going to be on base that much. He's not going to have the green light that much. He's going to be going up against legitimate batteries that are, are used to throwing guys with with his type of speed out and, and controlling the running game. I, I think that you can't really look at that and project him to just sort of be a, a league leader in steals, but what I think you can project is him to be a five-category contributor. I, I still think his uh, projection long-term, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of of Mike Trout's, just in yeah. in that he's going to debut and it's gonna be all about the speed and the average. And then, you know, fast forward two years and before you know it, it's gonna be all about the the thump that he provides and the nice. two or the three hole. And, you know, you'll you'll still get some steals, but that's not gonna be kind of the, the selling point with him. So um very, very appealing prospect. He's definitely a, a building block in Dynasty Leagues, but I just don't think you know he's 21 gallo's 22 <laughs> and gallo's murdering triple a pitching and, yeah. and moncada's at at high a so uh i just i just think the overall package with gallo is is a bit more appealing but moncada's obviously awesome
3: <laughs> let's skip down the list a little bit and we'll get to some of these guys who we are skipping over but uh skip down to 24 and and moncada's organizational mate andrew benintendi cuz he's fallen a little bit if I'm not mistaken not a ton but just a couple spots uh, and is that due to his struggles since advancing t- to double-a
2: yeah uh, he's I mean this is this is a snapshot kind of of, of the way I sort of see these these players right now I mean if you fast forward a couple months wouldn't be surprising if you saw Ben creep back up into the top 20 I just think right now if you're trying to acquire Benintendi in a dynasty league I think you you wouldn't have to treat him like a top 20 overall prospect Mm -hmm. to get him there's obviously questions about his long-term power projection I think that people can overrate those concerns because a guy like that that can hit that has a, a very very strong approach I think those guys people seem to kind of immediately say well you know he's he's not gonna have for much power but he can do this and this and this well there's a ton of players like that and uh, his organizational mate Mookie Betts being one of them who nobody ever even projected to hit uh, 15 homers a season just based on the body and you know he's just such a good hitter he works himself into certain counts where he can just you know sit sit on that mm-hmm. that fastball load up take it out I think that Ben Intendi could could maybe kind of do the same thing in time. I just I I want to see him make the necessary adjustments against upper level pitching uh before I start putting him up with with some of the guys ahead of him.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I I agree with what you said too about you know not necessarily having to treat him uh as a top 15ish type of prospect. I having him in staff keeper one though, I not somebody that I'm going to be looking to move at a discount right now. Uh, if anybody even reaches out about him. But moving back up the list a little ways, Blake Snell at number seven. He, of course, returned to the majors today. Not a great outing by any means. Three in the third, five runs. Only one was earned, though. So he's somebody that really should be owned in in all leagues, though, despite the rough outing today.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he was owned in my 10-team league before he got recalled. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that should be the case. He should be universally owned. I think you don't, someone asked in the comments about trading him and being worried about an innings cap. I I don't think you have to really factor that in a ton, especially in roto leagues. I think in in head to head, maybe factor that in a little bit because they they could shut him down and, and maybe late August or September. But I I still think you're, you're going to get almost a a full season from him uh, the rest of the way. I think he's just a, a number two starter. That's, that's pretty much what I what I see him as. I think the the pitchers I have ahead of him have have a bit higher ceiling than that. But I would be, I'd really be kind of shocked if if Snell didn't at least make it as a number three. And I, I do think uh, number two is very realistic for him, uh, possibly as soon as next season.
3: Also, while we're on the topic of pitchers coming up, officially announced that Cody Reed is going to come up to make his major league debut Saturday against the Astros. He's inside the top fifty. He's forty four on your list could you read up the reds of course uh i know he's not in the same class as snell but is he somebody that, that could be useful over the rest of the season
2: yeah i think now that he's up he's another guy that that should be owned in pretty much all formats i mean pitching reliable pitching is as hard to find as ever mm-hmm. uh right now in in fantasy so a lefty like that with a couple plus pitches, uh, solid control. He could he could come up, and you're not going to get a lot of wins, obviously, out of him. But I, I think that there's a chance he just kind of establishes himself as a guy that that's somewhat matchup proof. I mean, look at a guy like Michael Fulmer. I mean, nobody had Fulmer ahead of Reed coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fulmer's proven himself as a guy that you can you Even can run stiff. out there against pretty much anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it wouldn't be surprising at all if Reed sort of established himself as that guy, too. Uh, he's another guy that I surprisingly was owned in almost all my leagues, even a couple weeks ago.
3: Wow, yeah, that's interesting. I was able to get him in my NL only uh, just this week after Daniel Wright was, was sent down. But, uh, you know, Cody Reed, we might have to make a play for him in Maine, <laughs> NFBC main event, because our pitching staff, goodness gracious, it is ugly. Now, uh, we talked about... Um, Andrew Benintendi having some issues since making a leap to a new level. J.P. Crawford has been in a similar boat since jumping to AAA, 551 OPS. He's fallen a little bit, I think, from 8 uh, to 13 here. Uh, not a big fall, but uh, he does have hashtag sheer proximity. He's getting pretty close, but uh, is these struggles uh, adjusting at AAA cause for concern.
2: No. I I think that you you're going to have people out there that aren't going to treat him uh the way that he maybe should be treated based on these struggles but the guy is is 21 years old you've got several guys uh behind him on the list that are older and at double a um maybe older and at triple a like like his organizational mate nick williams it's just it's very impressive for him to have even just made it to AAA, i i'm not really focused on the production there right now i think he's he's still showing a, a really strong approach uh still getting on base um, relative to the batting average 100 points higher so uh I, i'm not worried about him at all long term i think that he's he's just a very very safe prospect i think he'll I don't i don't expect him to i know he's got that proximity i don't expect him to be up this year until maybe september just doesn't really make sense for the phillies but next year i think he's he's a guy that you could see once drafts start rolling around he could be treated like a top 150 player in drafts just because shortstop's that scarce and i think his his floor is is that high
3: yeah shortstop is bad maybe not quite as bad as catcher Uh, definitely not quite that bad but it is a very thin position my my issue with crawford i mean that kind of approach at a position like shortstop is you know, pretty bankable, but the the power speed hasn't really been there so far. Maxed out at eight homers, uh, 14 stolen bases in the minor leagues, no homers, uh, well, three, this uh, double-A before the promotion, and eight steals this year. When he gets to the majors, maybe he hits his peak. Is he possible 2020, or is it always going to be kind of teens with with those marks there and home runs and stolen bases
2: i think he's very very similar to francisco lindor in the power department hmm. i don't think he's quite where lindor is in terms of speed but i i just think having that approach and having the ability to make contact at the rate that he makes contact there's going to be more power than than you think just by looking at the the minor league totals and you factor in the age it's not like he's he's 24 years old and and not hitting home runs at the clip you'd like at triple a or double a i mean he's he hit the fact that he just hit three at double a as a as a 21 year old in in 36 games tells me that there's there's something there i mean he can at least take mistakes out Uh, it might be mostly pull side power but I, i still think there's there's double digit pop in there uh very soon I, I think that there's people might be underrating the power a little bit they might just look at the size and the fact that he plays shortstop and think that he's kind of a speed guy i yeah i think you're right about the the fact that he hasn't really put up the the type of totals that would lead you to expect big time stolen base totals from him but i mean he's going to be a runs machine he's going to be probably top that order yeah, to given the approach yeah he's going to be hitting lead off and yeah so I, I think you're you're looking at a guy that's going to hit our be bit, be good for 100 runs annually and an average close to 300 annually, which at shortstop is, is very rare.
3: Wilson Contreras joined Blake Snell in coming up to the majors today. Interesting player, of course. Really doing well as a 24-year-old at, at AAA for the promotion. 353 average, 442 on base, 9 homers, but of course there wasn't an injury uh, to the major league roster that, that forces promotion. Going to be rolling with 3 catchers uh, for the time being is he going to see enough playing time to really earn a, a roster spot and say uh a, a, you know 12 maybe 10 teamer uh
2: i think in a in, I think
3: in 15 teams he's he's got to be picked up mm-hmm. two catcher leagues.
2: yeah really any any kind of two catcher league he's he's a guy you want to have rostered I, I obviously have him stake league uh Hold, nice. Hold down finally, getting a, hold, finally,
3: finally getting one of production. those.
2: Finally, one of those several minor league players I've been starting in stake <laughs> league will actually be accruing me. You'll get uh, back pretty soon, Statistics, yeah. I think. So <laughs> that's that's exciting. Uh, he's he's a guy that honestly you, you would ask. You know the whole JP Crawford thing. If you go back and and look at what Wilson Contreras was doing in the power department back even just a year ago. Nobody would have said that there was any, you know, big time power in that bat. I mean, he's he's got nine homers, uh, two forty ISO, and fifty five games at AAA. His numbers are just insane, and I think that that's kind of what I think they just sort of wanted to reward him for for just abusing AAA pitchers the way he has been. Uh, I don't I don't think this is a guy that's going to be hitting twenty five or thirty homers ever but even if he's just an 18 homer guy at catcher who hits hits around like 280 290 in that lineup I mean the counting stats are going to be crazy so long term I just love him as as the Cubs catcher of the future be interesting to kind of see how long he sticks up I remember I mean this is kind of the same thing that happened with Kyle Schwarber last year where he came up everyone was just like yeah he's only gonna be up for a couple weeks you know like you don't need to worry about him People dropped him when he got sent back down, then he was back up, and, and everyone that dropped him felt like a complete idiot. Yep. Uh, I think that, you know, you look at the catchers that he's got to, to kind of contend with for the Cubs right now, wouldn't be surprising at all if he just kind of put them all to shame and oh, just yeah. sort of force the organization's hand.
3: Yeah, no, I'm t- totally with you there. And He's a really interesting player, and we've seen this year, given the state of the catcher position, a, a backup like Chris Herman – can be like a top 15 type of option. So even if he, you know, an injury doesn't open things up, even if he's playing, you know, maybe four times a week, if that, he could still be pretty useful. And yeah, you know, it's just one injury away because uh, I think if Montero were to go down, he'd, he'd immediately step into the everyday, close to everyday catching role there. Now, Corey Ray, number five overall pick in last week's draft to Milwaukee, slots in as the top pick from the draft in the top 200 at 27 then kyle lewis uh, near him at, at 30 and we talked about ray a lot and lewis a lot last week go back and check out our our day one draft recap from last week if you haven't heard it anything you want to add in terms of where these guys have slotted in and the reasoning behind that
2: uh you know there's i got like a question in the comments about you know someone so for, well, first they they brought up Dan O'Dowd's uh, Scott Rowland comp on Nick Senzel, <laughs> as if like that should be treated at all with any sort of yeah. like oh oh okay Ooh. Scott Rowland interesting like come on.
3: I mean everything uh, said during that draft on national TV no. it was a joke. Yeah, it
2: was it was all for entertainment. Uh, <laughs> sports <laughs> entertainment, right? Um, i think Corey ray's combo of just basically being a five category guy is what appeals to me most and and which is why i have him ranked the highest um kyle lewis's raw power to me is more intriguing as a college hitter than nick senzel's uh potentially you know 55 60 hit tool power i'm i'm really just interested in kyle lewis's power i mean the, the amount of guys that you can get as as college hitters with that kind of power is it's not that often i mean you might get one or two per draft class so that's kind of what gave him the edge there i mean it's it's kind of weak in the minor leagues right now once you get outside that top 30 or so so um you know i i think that just those guys their their pedigree their their kind of safety as as college hitters it's enough to to get them in in the top fifty. I mean, I, you might wonder why they're so far ahead of Mickey Moniak, who I have down at seventy two. I mean, he just turned eighteen, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's gonna be probably four years before we see him in the big leagues. Whereas uh, those guys that could beat him by a couple of years.
3: Yeah, and and you mentioned too last week that you know. It's kind of his combination of approach right. and ability to stick in center is why mm-hmm. why Moniak went so went number one exactly, and he's not quite as appealing for fantasy purposes. One guy outside of that top thirty uh, that I do think is really interesting, Alex Verdugo. What he's doing as a twenty year old at Double A is really impressive right now. Two eighty six, uh, three forty six on base, eight homers. Um, you know, you have the. ETA is 2017. I'm imagining it's probably you know maybe a September call up there. Any chance a little sooner we could see Verdugo?
2: Uh, no. I I think that there's there's a couple guys in that uh, you know double A hitters who are 20 years old and really really Im- impressing. Mm-hmm. I and mean, Willie Adamas is another guy for the Rays who's who's having a, a great season as a 20 year old at double A. Verdugo to me is just uh, I kind of buy the floor a bit more than I do with Adamus, and they're they're right next to each other, so it's not it's not like I think he's he's a much better guy to own. But yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Clint Fraser, who's who's awfully impressive based on what he's doing as a 21 year old. I mean, for Verdugo to be doing what he's doing as a 20 year old, uh, really kind of speaks volumes. And I think that you don't see crazy power numbers. I think the eight home runs would have surprised some of his doubters coming into the season. But he's such a strong kid that I think, given the the strong approach, uh, I could see that, that being a, a 20, 25 homer bat who, who hits for a high average and offers a handful of stolen bases. So, I mean, it's really important to look at a guy's age. I mean, that that's kind of one of the things that should have had everybody uh, – excited about nomar mazar coming into the year just kind of what he was able to do given his age and and the level Mm -hmm. so when you see a guy like verdugo doing what he's doing at double a as a 20 year old you really have to pay attention
3: another guy a couple spots down and i want to ask about him just because i want you to continue heaping praise on my new skl2 (laughs) (laughs) assets uh kyle tucker of the of the astros at at low a He, he was on the seven day dl recently still haven't heard exactly what that is but nothing to suggest it's overly serious but you know numbers are impressive for that level especially for a 19 year old but only one home run do you think that home run power will will show up eventually yeah
2: he's a big kid he's got a a really fluid swing i it might not even show up until sometime next year even even the year after but i just think the the hit tool and the 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 potential for for a guy to be you know I think he could be a 2020 player at nice. some point
3: yeah six four one ninety that is yeah. that is a big boy
2: and I think at at the very worst you're gonna have a guy that hits for an, an empty high average with you know ten fifteen steals and ten fifteen home runs I think that's that's kind of the floor if he just kind of continues to progress on this track but I, yeah I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if just given his, you know, he's not a guy that's ever going to have to sell out for power. Mm-hmm. I think he's just, as he kind of matures physically, they're just going to start to leave the yard.
3: Nice. Yeah. 22 walks so far. Uh, good to see 235 plate appearances. Definitely a guy to keep, keep an eye on. And he's in the Midwest league. We got, we should maybe next time they come to, to Wisconsin, maybe head over there. Take, take yeah.
2: Or even, uh, I mean, the, the yeah. Cardinals have some, some pretty interesting arms there right now. That would be a, a team worth checking out.
3: Absolutely. Now, as we move down in the list, the, the fallers really kind of jump out. Joe Marais is a guy who has fallen quite a bit uh, from the 30s, now down to 60 on the list here. Not doing so well down, down at a high A. He's still 19 years old and does have some impressive power potential, but has the has the floor kind of dropped significantly for you?
2: um not really i just think that he if you were to try to trade him in a dynasty league right now i think you'd be hard pressed to get a a big time impact piece back Mm -hmm. um that's you kind of you definitely have to factor that in or i always factor that in with these rankings like if i was trying to contend this year and i have jomar reyes what could I get for him? I I don't think I could get a ton for him. No. <laughs> you know, I think it would ha- unless it was somebody that had, had seen him play and had been sort of following his his career arc. I I, I don't think you're going to be able to convince just somebody that's that's seen him on a list and looks at his numbers to to give you much for him. I, I still like him a lot. I, I mean, if I could buy low on him and I was rebuilding, I would. But uh, it's it, he's he's also someone who. I thought had a chance to really have a big year and kind of move up his ETA, mm-hmm. and and that hasn't really happened. I mean, he had he had a nice April. He's kind of cooled off since then. So I mean, it's going to be one year at a time for him, and you know we might see him struggle when he gets to Double A, the way he struggled when he got to High A, and and so it, it could be a, a three or three plus year run before we see him uh, itching to get to the big leagues.
3: Guys, a quick word from our sponsor. Do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from, the drag and drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, It's easy and free. Go to WIX.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Now, this player hasn't really fallen since your last update, but Aaron Judge at 66. Numbers, you know, at at AAA aren't aren't bad. Um, He is 24 years old, only nine homers and 243 at-bats. Yankees look kind of poised to maybe pack it in. They've been Mm -hmm. really struggling of late. Do you think if they do start shipping off their pieces, we could see Judge come up in the second half uh, and play a pretty prominent role in that team?
2: Uh, I think we could see him come up and get starts. I don't think anyone should expect him to come up and produce from a fantasy perspective. I, you know, There's a difference between game power and raw power, I think, it has to be troublesome that the judge hasn't really been able to bring his power into games. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I kind of compare him. I, I put him next to Dylan cousins on this list for a reason, just as kind of a, a comparison. I think you look at both of those guys as guys that are, are six, 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 seven, uh, Cousins is 22 and he's at Double A and he's got 19 bombs, 13 steals. Judge is 24, he's at Triple A, he's got nine homers and four steals. I think it's worth pointing out that you know there are guys that that can make the the power work at that size quicker than Judge has been able to make it work, and I'm a little worried about whether or not he can get to all of his power in games ever as a big leaguer. I think he. He's already a batting average risk, and and you would need twenty five plus homer power to kind of put up with that. I think, and I think the Yankees would need that kind of power to put up with that in right field, especially. So, mm-hmm. um, just a guy that I'm not as high on as as most people, and I got Blake Rutherford, his his new organizational mate, two spots behind him, and yeah. he hasn't even played any pro ball yet. <laughs> yeah.
3: that, that's um, very true, and I think. Yeah, that that organization was so adamant about holding on to judge and you know clearly you know especially if they start the rebuild not going to be looking to move him but maybe they they missed a little bit of a window to get especially last year to get something pretty pretty significant for him uh but a couple of rockies i've noticed fell a little bit uh forest wall especially i mean not huge drop but i think you know 20 30 spots or so he's down at 104 Ryan MelTapia at ninety-five. Any reasons uh reason or reasons uh that you have for, for these falls here?
2: Uh you know, the Rockies system as a whole, I mean they they've got two guys in the top ten and Rogers and Dahl. But the Rockies system as a whole is just really had a kind of a rough year. Um Ryan McMahon, who we didn't touch on, I mean, he's had a an awful year at double A, uh, just hitting for no power really uh is really just kind of doing what he always does. I just think that you know I, I think the the trade value on him is isn't going to be all that great. I think that he's just going to be one of those guys where people want to see it against big league pitchers before they believe. I still like him a lot, but I think there's there's guys I put ahead of him that either have higher ceilings or higher floors uh you know i, I don't know tapio is Tapia's always a tough guy to rank uh forest wall is having a having a pretty rough year mm-hmm. kind of raises questions about his floor i was kind of liked his floor uh as a second baseman that that could maybe offer a little bit of everything he's probably going to be slower to the big leagues than some expected and and it's not quite clear whether he's going to do enough to be an everyday player
3: hunter renfro of the padres at 114 he has 14 homers at AAA this year and 265 at bats uh, 317 average 333 on base i think you're a little lower on him than than some other prospect evaluators i think you know especially given the way this team has played and uh, i know they're looking to be active somewhat at the deadline i think there should be a spot for renfro in the second half what are you expecting when he does get the call
2: I think he's gonna struggle big time. I think he's gonna swing and miss a lot. I he's obviously not gonna walk a lot. Uh, The I just there's so many people that like wanna get excited about these 24, 25 year old guys at AAA or like like a guy like Matt Chapman. I hear people talk about him all the time with the A's and they get excited about the power. It's like he's 23. And he can't make any contact at double A other than than the power. I mean that that's not a good profile. I mean, if a guy's having contact issues and still hitting for power and he's like twenty at high A, like Bobby Bradley, I'm I'm fine with that. But when it's a guy that's having approach issues and and is finally putting it together as a twenty four year old with El Paso in like just the the most lush hitting conditions you can find, that's doesn't really tell me anything about the player I mean I want to see him do it against big league pitching and I kind of think he'd get exposed but he is he's going to get his chance I mean Manuel Margot has been more impressive in my opinion uh, at AAA but he's he's a 2017 guy sort of based on what they have in in center field Uh, Renfro I think he'll get his shot at some point here uh, maybe even in the next month or so and I just don't think he's gonna produce much
3: one of the biggest fallers that I've noticed so far, uh, skimming the list, Dominic Smith in the Mets system, I think he was just outside the top 50 at the start of the season, now down to 128 on the top 200. Is this because, you know, the power, which we were expecting to, to finally tick up and show up in games, just hasn't been there?
2: Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more power from him at this point, And that's kind of been the running thing with him, but even when he hadn't been hitting for power before he was still showing a you know, excellent hit tool uh really good on base skills at least kind of doing everything you'd want from a first baseman minus the power and then just kind of given his size given the amount of doubles he was hitting i i thought there was a, I mean given the the quick bat, I-, I thought there was reason to expect some power to start showing up it really hasn't yet i think he's There's a handful of guys we've touched on, um, Smith, Wall, uh, McMahon, guys who if they have a big second half, they'll probably finish back closer up to where they were to to sort of start the year. But I just think you have – I mean, if you're doing an, an updated list like this, not everywhere does updated lists. A lot of places kind of will, you know, Play it safe, or don't want to take the time to to do these in season.
3: Yeah, they'll have I mean, like the updates be kind of like an event type. Of
2: thing. Yeah, I mean you can you can look kind of silly doing these mid season. Like, I mean, it, it's sort of like how do you want to play it? Do you want to just stick to your guns into yeah. June? I mean, it it's hard. It's hard to kind of make it do it in a way that that sort of makes sense to everyone yeah, uh, kind
3: of minimize the recency bias right I, I think you have
2: to there's guys that i just flat out like believe in that aren't that aren't hitting well right now uh guy like franklin barretto or or rafael devers and those guys have even moved down a little bit but they haven't moved way down i mean there's there's guys like you know bobby bradley still striking out uh, a crap load, and I haven't moved him down too far because I, I still buy him as a, a middle-of-the-order threat long-term. Uh, Braden Shipley still not striking guys out the way I'd like, but I still buy into him as a as a number three starter long-term. Um, there's there's plenty of guys that aren't performing that I, that I still like, but there's other guys where, you know, the Jomar Reyes type or a Forrest Wall, you're just not going to be able to do anything with those guys in a trade mm-hmm. uh, relative to their Long-term potential based on what they're doing right now, so I think you you definitely have to factor in what what's happened over a span of ten weeks.
3: Yeah, I think that's wise too because that's really what you know what our readers specifically want. You know, I mean, they're looking at these with with uh, keeper leagues and, and you know the long term really in mind, and, and probably looking at these trying to evaluate trade offers. And so I think you factoring that into into account is really really important. Peter O'Brien at one forty four, he got the call recently as well uh not doing a lot but does have a homer are you expecting the power to play uh and, and at least him to be useful in that category while he's up
2: uh not necessarily <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean the fact that he's in the big leagues and he was doing what he's doing against triple a pitching and i still have him at 144 kind of tells you how down i am on him i just don't really view him as a big league regular I, view him as a quad a guy uh there's the fact that he's listed at all means that i don't think there's a zero percent chance he could hack it as a as a uh, power bat with uh with low average and and a ton of strikeouts but i just don't i mean anyone that's kind of loading up the fab budget to try to make a run at him this week i think is making a you you better be desperate you better just be really desperate for power and, and be willing to accept the fact that there's a pretty good chance it doesn't work out
3: I think I saw somebody in your in the comments kind of ask. Maybe it was you. I I thought it was uh, on your farm. Futures like who who's the next guy? You know, Snell, Reed coming up, uh, O'Brien, others. Who's the next prospect? uh, Tim Anderson, of course, coming up too. Any guess on who the next kind of impact prospect will be, or is there even one out there?
2: I don't know if there is one out there. I I think I know. I I think. I think Josh Bell is a guy that's probably going to get his chance at some point. You know, John Jaso's kind of been in a bit of a tailspin, definitely not hitting for enough power to to be a, a first baseman in the big leagues right now. Uh, I do think Gary Sanchez is a guy that, that can make a, a a legit impact in the second half, especially if the the Yankees start moving some pieces because I know that they've been kind of working him out a little bit at first base. That That's an area of need for them uh dh if they i mean you know if they're not contending you don't need to give a rod every day at bats uh sanchez is a guy that has probably more like i would be almost more confident in sanchez to hit right away against big league pitching than i would wilson Contreras, even giving giving his uh domination at triple a i'm still not i'm not ready to i mean he's already up i guess he doesn't really count but i'm not ready to kind of rule out max kepler being an impact player in the over the rest of the season as long as the twins are willing to kind of let him play through some some growing pains uh, josh haters is a guy that i still think is going to be up at some point he he got promoted triple a recently uh i don't think minor league hitters are going to be able to touch him really so i think he'll get a chance at some point um
3: Jose de Leon.
2: Jose de Leon will get a chance at yeah. some point here. Uh Frankie Montes might even get a chance at some point here. I mean the Dodgers rotations just it seems like they're they're dealing with injuries just every yeah. single week. So those are those are guys that are gonna get a chance. But I, I'm not I'm not really I don't see this one big prospect out there that everyone needs to rush and grab. I think there's a dozen guys who could make an impact, but I, I wouldn't say with confidence that any of them necessarily will. Uh, if someone's like dropped a guy like Trey Turner or AJ Reed, I still think that's that's a worthwhile guy to hold on to and stash. Although but, it's it's got to be getting really frustrating if you're a Trey Turner owner.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's I have him in a couple of weeks and it definitely is. But you're pretty, you know, with that in mind what you just said, uh pump the brakes, temper expectations on Alex Bregman. You would recommend? Yeah,
2: that? I will yeah. I I think he's got the potential to make an impact in the second half. But I think he's also got the potential to not get called up at all this season. So you just have to know that it's it's a risky stash. It's it's a high-risk, high-reward stash, if, especially if you have limited bench spots. Um, there's just It's not like last year. We don't have – I think Tim Anderson's been impressive so far, but even him. I, I love Tim Anderson. I still think there's a chance that you could see him – go into a bit of a slump over the next month here just because he has some developing to do in terms of his approach at the plate. I think big league pitchers once they once the book kinda gets out on him they could they could start to expose him a little bit. So there's just not that one guy or two guys like we had last year with Correa and Seeger where you just you knew they were gonna come up. You you had a pretty good feeling that they were going to be productive from day one. I don't really see that guy.
3: Well, great stuff as always, James. We appreciate your insight. Again, check out the updated top 200 and the latest Farm Futures to see uh, for some more insight as far as the reasoning behind some of these changes and to see where the the, the recent draftees slotted into the top 200. But before we move on, anybody else you want to maybe mention here?
2: Well, I, I want to give a shout out to the, the commenters in my my article that, that went along with these updates. Um, you know, you it's... <laughs> I, I, some of the commenters are obviously, you know, friends of the show. Mike Chess chimed in. Uh, Waz. there's there's a decent amount of guys on here that that are really awesome to kind of go back and forth with in the in the comments. Uh, Malachi, Big Red Machine, but then you, you get guys that like think that I. It says that the title of the article is Top 200 Update. And then they're asking where their favorite prospect is because I didn't mention him in my the top twenty five that I broke down. And you linked and, right and the, to the top, right 200. at the top. There's a link to the top two hundred rankings, and it's just, I mean, it's like, what? How are you guys even able to find this article if you can't also yeah. find the top two hundred rankings? And then you had, had a Cardinals fan, big shock, uh, complaining that I I ranked Julio Urias and and. Uh, and tim anderson even though they're they're already up at the big leagues well they're prospect eligible so yeah. i ranked them sorry i also <laughs> ranked a lot of crappy prospects i ranked hyunsu kim who i didn't want to rank at all but he's still counts as a prospect i ranked peter o'brien ranked max kepler ranked albert Elmora, like it's not and yeah i mean it's it's whatever but yeah the, and didn't the, he
3: kind of like, say like Oh, this would have been helpful weeks ago. Well, you've been touting these guys who've been coming up. He, for yeah, years. he,
2: he was like, I wonder if I should cancel my subscription because I, you know, I would have liked to have known about Urias and and Tim Anderson. Well, before the season, I said Urias was going to have more starts in the first half than the second half. Before the season, I said Tim Anderson was going to come up in time to steal twenty or twenty five bases. So if you if you'd read that, you probably would have owned both those guys. So. Uh, please don't cancel your subscription, but please read the articles and, and take the advice when it's offered and, and don't yeah. come back asking where it was when, when these guys get the call and you don't own them.
3: Yeah, you deserve to get called out for for just kind of blatant ignorance.
2: <laughs> sheer ignorance. Sheer
3: ignorance. Well, let's move on to a guy, E40 Fonzarelli, Charlie Hustle, who you know I think has some sheer tools, but uh, you, you kind of disagree here. In case you're unfamiliar, we we grade hip-hop artists on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, grade the five tools we've established for evaluating artists, lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, swag, and then an overall grade. Look, E-40's a legend, in my opinion, and he's a guy who, you know, we see him a lot now with with the Warriors, uh, but he's a guy who really has had a a long career and really has kind of made up his own vocabulary, in a way. Uh, interesting guy for sure. Lyricism, I got a fifty-five here uh, because I think you know. And I'm not saying this is the case with you, but I think a lot of uh, kind of casual artists maybe hear him and just kind of think, you know, he's, just, he's got a he's got a unique flow. Hear him and don't really think there's much to the lyrics. But if you dive a little deeper, the lyrics are are very witty.
2: I'm gonna just say this like at the front, like I I have not listened to much e40 at all so if e40 is your favorite artist and you're upset my at thing. my grades like or just anyone listening just know that you've listened to probably 98 percent uh more e40 than i have uh i always just kind of thought of him as just sort of like a regional rapper who uh sort of started a, uh the whole hyphy thing and and got Kind of on the map that way. I give him a give him a twenty five. None of the lyrics he's ever had in any songs um, really stood out to me as as all that great. Uh, and you know, look, a lot of this too is is I just don't think he's that great of a rapper. So the the, the grades have to reflect that. So that I can't, I, I don't want to end up having to give him a forty or forty five when I've given guys i like more uh Mm grades similar to that
3: i'm with you look you're really not alone by any means i see on twitter and it gets me a little riled up you know a lot of people just trashing them crapping all over them uh but but i you know i don't see i don't see that but uh, again I, i think you're maybe in the majority well,
2: I love the Warriors, and and I know <laughs> E Forty does too. I'd love to sit next to him at a at a Dubs game. Go Dubs tonight, by the way. Hope that they they wrap up this NBA Finals in six here. Uh, so, I mean that we're, you know, it's definitely a timely guy to grade out, <laughs> but uh, you know I, I don't own any of his music. I uh, probably won't ever own any of his music.
3: Like Ray Quan, he's got his again, like his own vocabulary. And I think you know I think he's funny too. I, you know a lot of his lyrics you know he's really fast too i think he's underrated lyrically uh but flow is where you know i think he kind of stands out because again it's very unique uh it almost sounds like he's at, at times just kind of uh almost just talking and not even rhyming but it it does rhyme in the end a uh, very unique rhyme scheme and flow but i got a 70 here pretty high mark this is one of your highest marks uh, at 40. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, no. not high. I, I gave him a 40. I think that people like him and they like him for his flow, so it certainly resonates with people. Uh I mean, I I think he really just resonates with you. He's got the glasses and the hat. I feel like I feel like if you were to like kind of create uh Clay the rapper in like a video game, oh, he would nice. end up kind of looking a lot like E40.
3: I don't know how to take that, but I'll I'll <laughs> take it either way. Ta- just take it. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one One E-40 lyric that I like Never sipping and slipping and skipping And dripping and missing These cats that I be hanging around don't listen I be s- hipping and sipping and smoking And drinking and spitting And these musty mouth broads they be tripping I love that <laughs> line but, Can't uh, argue with that <laughs> Alright we'll <laughs> move on to longevity <laughs> I got a 50 now again Modern you know these new age cats don't like him, but he's had a long career. I gave him a fifty here. Long discography, and you mentioned the hyphy movement. Uh, that kind of factors into the the impact, and I really kind of credit Mac Dre anyway uh, for that more so than the E Forty. But Forty's uh, been around the Bay Area music scene for a long time. Has had some national exposure recently. And I think when you talk about you know twenty years, twenty plus years in the game, you got to give Charlie Hustle some, some credit there
2: yeah i just don't know i think if you asked a i don't know 80 percent of hip-hop fans what their favorite e40 album was they wouldn't maybe even be able to name one uh the
3: ball street journal
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> i i just don't i mean he's got some great albums he's he's had a long career i just don't think that you know, if, if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it does, it, does it does it make a sound? Like, I just I don't know if I can count like the longevity. Like, I I only with other rappers I only really count their longevity for like the stretch of their career that really like mattered. And mm-hmm. I just don't know how much of his career even should really count in this category. So I give him a thirty.
3: Wow, I'm looking at his discography right now, and man, it is long. Um, <laughs> oversaturated. It is really oversaturated lately with six versions of the block brochure. Right. I don't think we needed six of those after three revenue retrieving uh, I- uh iterations, but we'll move on here to well impact. I mean, we got 45 here. It does has played a pretty big part in the uh high fee bay area rise uh, recently. But we'll move on to swag. I got a 70 You got a 25. This might be one of the biggest differentials. I don't know if
2: we're going to have this big of a gap ever again.
3: I love E40 swag. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just I see a little bit of myself in Fonz. We have
2: very different... I think if you look at any category that we we clash the most on, it is swag. Because I remember... Yeah, you know, I I think Kanye's got a, a ton of swag and you didn't, and like uh, I <laughs> yeah. thought uh, I thought Shine had a ton of swag and you didn't. <laughs> um, nope. We we look for we look for different things apparently in the the swag department and I think
3: that's good. Yeah, because yeah. we agree on on a lot. Yeah, you know, but yeah. I think it's good to get some different opinions. Yeah, twenty five that's that's real harsh. I will admit, like you know, I, I wear out glasses, but he's got like the thin mm-hmm. like rectangular ones that hang off the nose. I don't know about that look, but I think overall quite a bit of swag.
2: I mean, I I think he's got like as much swag as a guy like, like jazzy Fah or <laughs> oh, what, or like, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just I think guess. he's like a guy that's in hip hop that when you like see him sitting courtside at a game, you're just kind of like, oh man. Well, that's good thing you can afford those seats because <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't wouldn't be there otherwise.
3: I, I will say, just listen to the song "Players Ball" with Too Short at some point because that's that's a very swaggy song. But I got a sixty, you got a thirty. You know, we, again, we're probably not going to clash this much uh, on an artist ever again. And I got him right on par with Kanye. Look, I. I like E forty that much. No,
2: I, I don't. <laughs>
3: Clearly. <laughs> so is he is he is this the lowest mark you've given? It looks no, like it, it might
2: be. I, I gave it twenty five oh, to yeah. Donna. I 25 gave it twenty five to, to Birdman. Yeah. I, I like E forty more than Cappadonna and Birdman.
3: And I think that's at least fair. You know, <laughs> you can you can I like
2: hate. I like ludicrous more than E forty. So
3: right. we'll we agree to disagree. <laughs> well thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with you next week.
2: So, you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course, you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course, you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.